Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You can also chime in on the conversation via Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. Well, the countdown is officially over. Tomorrow, the veterans will report, and then Thursday, they will have their first training camp practice. So we are getting down to the nuts and bolts of preparation yeah. for the 2018 season, I, Jeff. I remember it so, so like it was yesterday. Been almost ten years, by the way, <laughs> since uh, Mr. Fiegel has gone out. Got to dust the pads and the helmet <laughs> off now. But I will tell you, it's an exciting time for the players because you know they've been. I, I think in in today's world, the way that things are going with the CBA and all the hitting and all things, that didn't, training camp is no longer like it used to be years and years ago, where people really dreaded to come into camp because it was one, it was seven weeks long. Two a days. Two a days, every day, pads, all that kind of stuff. But I think the guys are very ready to just get on the field because of all the stuff that they do. I think they work a lot more and harder in the offseason than they did back in the 80s and 90s. Than, um, and these guys come in ready to go. It's exciting because I, I tell you what, it's um, you get a little bit of nervousness in it. You get excited about meeting the, the newer players that they're here and you kind of spend a lot of time. But I always, always, it was always exciting to me because you knew that football was here. You knew that it was time to get paid. Finally going to start getting <laughs> which paid Which is always again, a bonus, yes. Which is always a bonus. I mean, just think about anybody else that's going to work for the first time in a long time, and you're going to start getting paid again. So it is nice. but uh, And there's a lot of expectations that you put on yourself and that people have put on you going into the season, and that's what makes it exciting. Well, and I'm sure from the player's perspective, they're so tired of doing non-padded work where yeah. you know you couldn't hit anybody, you couldn't look at anybody the wrong way. Now the physicality all of a sudden takes a notch up, and this gives them an opportunity to get into that season mode. And I think the physicality really is the the guys in the middle, you know, the, the yeah. linemen there and the linebackers. Um, and, and a little bit, I would say, on the outside. I mean, the receivers and defensive backs, they get a little bit physical on one-on-ones and team stuff. But for the most part, there isn't a lot of physicality anymore with the hitting and stuff because everybody's so afraid of injury and what's going to happen and that kind of stuff. But it's football. You have to do it. You've got to realize that you've got to go practice and you've got to be able to, to get in hitting shape. That's the problem that you see in the beginning of the season is that a lot of these games are sloppy. Um, especially the preseason games, and then even in the first couple weeks of the regular season. It's like an extended preseason. It really is, and I think that uh, you try to do everything you can from an organizational standpoint to try to to be able to to learn tackling drills and doing things and to be healthy and not not get hurt with them. But uh, I don't know. I I think there's a lot of guys I know that back in the day there was guys that would come into camp. I'm I'm not included here because I didn't do any hitting. But they would always (laughs) – Well, at least that's not documented. The the, the one thing that they hated was that, you know, their neck would get very sore for two or three days because of the hitting. You know, and that's just something you can't condition yourself to. You can lift all the weights you you want. You can run around. You can do those kinds of things. But the hitting, that's where your neck gets a little bit sore and your traps and – um, the guys get, you know, they get over that, and it just becomes your body gets used to it. Bit of a wake-up call once you get back on the field, and you have yeah. to deal with but that. But, you know, those guys, they, they've been playing football all their lives at this level. They know what to expect. They know it's going to hurt, and, they, and that's why they're pros. I mean, they're, they're able to just to move on and, and let not let those little things uh, bother you. One thing about training camp, I've said it before, is that one of the reasons why the, the rookies are here now is because they're installing and, they're, and they're, they're getting these guys used to kind of the schedule, what's going to happen, and giving them a little bit of a head start on the offense and the defense and some of the special teams. Because when the veterans get here, you no longer as a rookie or a second or third team player are going to get those reps. And, so, and, the, and the, the playbook, it just goes. They don't wait for you. 
So they want to get a little bit of a head start. And if you're one of those guys that does not retain a lot of the information and carry it from the practice or from the meeting rooms to the practice field, you are going to get lost. But you got to make sure if you're a young guy, you know your playbook, and when you chant, when your time comes, you better know what you're doing and not make mental mistakes because that's one thing coaches hate. They cannot stand <laughs> dumb football players that make mental mistakes, when, especially when they go over and over and over in the meeting rooms, and then you get on the field and they don't do it. I just, Lance, I just told you told six you times in times, the meetings. Yeah. Why, how are you going to do this? And you just scratch your head sometimes like, what happens between the ears? One ear. Out, out the yeah. other. But you do bring up a good point, Jeff. For example, a guy like Kyle Loletta, rookie quarterback, he doesn't have to deal with Davis Webb and Eli Manning for the first few days. So he's getting all the reps. Yes. He's getting all the opportunities. Then all of a sudden the veterans come in, and then it becomes more of a rotational type of routine. Pretty much, but I, I will. You know, I was out of practice today just kind of, you know, looking to see what's going on. And, and you know, there's there's the four quarterbacks are out there. So, I did, you know, and Eli's getting some reps. And, you know, so – I think that Eli's trying to get some reps with these young guys because he's not going to get a lot of reps with them <laughs> once the veterans get here. So it's the, it's kind of the reverse effect. Hey, I'm going to come in here and get some reps because I want to get ahead of the story. You know, yeah, because yeah, once I once I come, the other guys come in here. I'm not going to really give you. You're not going to be. I'm not handing the ball off to you or throwing it to you much because you're going to be so far down on the depth chart. And then if you do get into a game, I'd rather have at least a few reps with you earlier in the season so that uh, there's at least some chemistry there. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. Speaking of the rookies, the entire rookie class is officially signed. So everybody is on the books in terms of their contractual agreements. And I will tell you that that has come a long ways, too. Because I remember years ago... It was always coming into camp, and there was always guys that yeah, just, lengthy holdouts. Absolutely, I mean, there were your first like first three rounders usually were not in camp because there was some, you know, until they went to the, until they went to the slotted system where you know if you get picked X, you're going to make this, and and really the hang up on the, on the contracts these days, Lance, with the with the rookie contracts is not so much the numbers because we know what they are. If you're slotted, you're 130th picked, and you're going to get you this have much that money. barometer, you know but it's, exactly. But it's, going a lot in. of it is. Um, a lot of it is language, and a lot of it has to do with what really has come to the forefront in free agency this last year is these guaranteed contracts. I mean, back in the day, nobody would ever thought that football players would ever have guaranteed contracts. Well, guess what? Now it's starting to come into effect, and Saquon Barkley, who signed his deal, got fully guaranteed. So, you know, things have changed, and that and that and that's very big for the players. We also saw that with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings in terms of the massive yeah. deal that he signed Monster. earlier this offseason. Yeah. Sure. So you're right. It is trending in that direction. I don't know if we're going to get to the point where everybody across the board no, will. No, you got to be an elite player, yeah. and it's going to make a difference whether you hold out as a rookie like Saquon Barkley, who's the second pick in the draft, or you're Kirk Cousins, who you, you have two teams vying for your services, and one of them says, I'll pay you all of it guaranteed. Well, guess what? I'm going there. I don't think you're going to hesitate. No, I Give won't. me the pen, and I'll sign right away. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. We're going to open up the phone lines. Anything you want to delve into related to the start of training camp, once again, the veterans will report tomorrow, Wednesday, and then they will have their first practice on Thursday. So we are nearing the official end of the offseason and the start of what I like to call the actual season. Let's the actual open up season. The phone lines. It's the real season. Yes. Antonio is in Manhattan. Antonio, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, Lance? What's going on, Jeff? Uh, nice to talk How to you guys. How you doing, Antonio? Okay. Same here, Antonio. What's happening with you? What do you got for us? So, just want to touch a couple of things. Um, first things first is, you know, I'm excited about the rookie class. The first rookie class is being drafted. You know, that's not, you know, from uh, uh, Reese. is not from Jerry Reese, you know, because, you know, we just had a lot of bad luck when it comes to draft 
classes, even if it's first-round draft picks or late-round draft picks that haven't pan out. Um, and I'm just excited to see, you know, what, what these guys are going to do. That's one thing that's in my mind um, when it comes to the rookies, especially in the defense. You know, I just want to see if if we can figure it out. We look, you know, we look really good on offense, but just right now, there's just a, it, to me, there's a lot of questions when it comes to defense, and I just hope that an unknown commodity comes up and, uh, you know, makes a name for themselves. Well, I think that one guy you want to look at, look to make a name for himself, I, I'm really high, is Lorenzo Carter. I think is a guy that's going to be uh, in this system. I think Coach Betcher is going to put him in a, in a situation to succeed. He's coming from Georgia. He's fast. He's tall. And I think he's hungry. And I think that he's going to be one guy to, to look out for that on that defensive side. Um, and also uh, DJ Hall is another guy. DJ, right? BJ Hill, you told me. Yes. Hello. The, uh, Defensive DJ tackle. Hill. Yes. Excuse me. DJ Hall, I said. <laughs> that was some Just goes mix to show you that we really letters, don't know the Jeff. roster yet. <laughs> We're going to get there, though. Okay? You know what I'm talking about, DJ though. Hall. I may have to re- start referring to him as his uh, other pseudo name. Don't say that, I will start yeah, saying throughout that the course of the season. season. Yeah. But Hill's another guy that I think is going to be really good in that. In yeah, season. whoever he is. You know, he'll, he'll be good, just so you know, Antonio. It's a big, fat Just look for the guy in the middle on the front seven. That's yeah. all. Yeah, you can't exactly. miss him. The yeah. fat guy's up front. <laughs> and just one last thing, I, I hope that, you know, by by the first week of uh, uh, the first preseason game, we'll have a contract ready for Odell, and that way we could just put that behind us. Uh, you know, I know that he's probably not going to, I mean, I would not let him play one down on the preseason. He could practice with the team, that's fine, but let's just get the contract out of the way and let's get that behind us. Because, just, just correct me if I'm wrong, he doesn't have a, he, this is the last year, correct? He's not on the contract and, for next year? Fifth and final year of his rookie contract, correct. All right, yeah, I mean, I, I wish we could just put that behind us, you know, as soon as possible so that way, you know, we could just avoid that distraction because the, the, the closer we get to the season, the bigger the distraction that's going to become. Well, you have, have to keep one. this in mind, Antonio, and I appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. You know, when we Alrighty. throw out the narrative of distraction, I think it's more of the media will create perhaps that storyline throughout the season if it doesn't get done. As far as the players, Jeff, and you could provide a lot more insight on this more so than anybody. I'm sure you've been in locker rooms where there's been some contractual issues. Is that something that comes up on a daily basis? Are guys talking about that in the locker room? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, Michael Strahan was one year when he held out. There is a good example. So the thing about it is that the, 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 the days go on. You know, they don't just stop because all of a sudden straight Now, he held camp. out, though, from He held camp, out, but, but it's still – my point is it's a, it's that type of distraction. You know, you're going to held out of camp. It's a contract thing, you know. Um, this is a little bit different, but I will tell you this. I think that there's more emphasis from the outside, the media, social media, all that stuff, that you know, the radio and TV and stuff like that. You as a player and as, as the guys on the team, you got to just focus in on what's going on around you and not outside of you. And that, and the coaches will tell you the same thing. So I think the distraction comes from when you're on your phone or you're on your computer and you're reading it, just try not to read it, you know, so then it won't be as big. But it is big. It's a distraction because everybody makes it that. And you'll be peppered with questions and so forth. Right. It'll become a daily routine. You have to be able to handle it in a situation where maybe, and this is just an idea. I don't know if this is ever going to happen or not. But, you know, this is something, in my opinion, that has to be talked about when Odell gets here. Pat Shermer and, and Dave Gettleman and, and, and Tyke Tolbert, the coaches, you know, sit down and have a discussion about this. You know, listen, how are you going to answer these questions in the media? 
because they're going to get peppered at you. Okay, so do we come out and say, listen, no questions about contracts, whatever, but, you know, people were still going to ask. They're still going to ask, of course, but no I matter think, how many times you say But in no. my opinion, if they all got on the same page and understand the, the dialogue that's going to happen with the player and the media – and they're all on the same page. They're not going to be any, any, and there's not going to be anything that's going to catch them off guard when Odell says something, or, or Gettleman says something, or Pat Shermer. They're all on the same page, and I'm pretty sure that's probably what's going to happen. They're going to have a discussion on how to handle this thing because it will become a distraction. Well, and I think if you go back to when he addressed the media during the course of the off season, I think for the most part Odell Beckham has handled everything fine. He hasn't really made it a Good. bigger story than it needs to be. Dave Gettleman made it very clear on multiple occasions, Jeff, that he doesn't discuss contractual issues or negotiations with the media. He never did it with Carolina. He's right. not going to sing a different tune. And Shermer also has been constantly asked about it. And he says, listen, Odell Beckham's here. He's focusing on football. It is what it is. Exactly. But there's not a lot of those people that were in that room that heard those guys say those types of things because there's the national media that will come in here and do the tu- Who don't cover the tours. team on a daily basis. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's my point. I think that all the regular beat reporters and the, and the, and the normal guys and gals that are here – they're not going to be asking those questions because they've been told. But the people that are outside that are coming in doing their training camp shows and that all the other stuff, they have to understand that this is how we're going to answer it. Um, I think that Odell is doing the right thing and, and is exactly what he, what he should be doing. He's under contract. He should be here. And he's done everything in the offseason that everybody's asked him. And um, I think that Pat Shermer hit that nail on the head and just approached it right away when he got hired. I'm going to have to develop a relationship with Odell Beckham. I mean, you heard some of the things that in the in the media and what you read about when McAdoo had talked about a couple of weeks ago about where he failed to communicate with Odell Beckham. I mean, he came out and just blatantly said, I failed there. I don't think that Pat Shermer is going to make that mistake. He said that he was more focused on the X's and O's and how right. to utilize him within the scheme as opposed to perhaps building a relationship. And, I mean, Shermer has made it very clear that, you know, even as he became – acclimated to the team, he was already reaching out to players when they weren't even here at the facility just right. to develop yeah. that relationship that you noted. And that's and that's a good that's way a big to, difference. That's a good thing. That's a good way to start. That's a good way to start um, because then it shows, you know, I, for those of you who have never met Pat Shermer, the, the man is very approachable. You know, he's, he's a guy that you can, you feel like you can just walk up to him and ask him a question and he's going to give you the time of the day, um, which is nice because if you're a player, sometimes there's some intimidation factor, but especially with the young guys coming out of college, they're very intimidated by, they're in the pros now. You know, now that when they look at these coaches, they're a little nervous, you know, to go up and talk to them about it. But when you have a personality like Pat Shermer and, some, and Dave Gettleman and guys like that, that are very approachable, it makes it a lot easier on some people to be able to ask questions and, and feel comfortable talking to your coach. Let's head back to the phone lines, 201-939-4513. Timothy is in Jacksonville, New Jersey. Tim, what's happening? Nothing. How are you? Doing very well. Good. What do you got for us? I got a question for you. Sure. Will the Giants sign Odell Beckham Jr. to one-year, $144 million contract extension with... <laughs> One year, one year. million guaranteed and a $52 million signing bonus, making him the highest paid player in the NFL. Well, I'm sure he'd love you to be his agent after one that year? type of an offer. Did you mean to say one year or is that what you meant? 
Six years. Oh, six years. Six years. Okay. okay. That now makes a little bit more sense than one year because that would have set all the records and then some, and then he probably would never have to play another down of NFL football after a season, Jeff, because you'd retire after two punts, right, if somebody gave you that deal? I would finish the season. You'd finish the season. Oh, yeah. oh That's very kind of you. Oh, you're welcome. So one year, $144 million. Yeah. I'd you'd finish give, out 16 games. What, I'd give you a million of it. Oh, wow. So I mean, you're way too kind. Way too kind. Six years. Six years. No, no, not, now we heard you clear, yeah. Tim. Yeah. I, I mean, listen. Well, six years. Six years, $144 million contract extension. Gotcha. So he's what Tim is uh, basically throwing out there, and appreciate the phone call, Tim, that you, Thank you. T- take this year that's remaining on his contract and then obviously add to $144 million? $144 million. So he's, he's over $20 million a year there. Yes. So 20 And then he threw out about $52 million guaranteed. All right. I, he's not getting the six years. He's not getting $20 million a year. That's my opinion. Well, that's quarterback money. That's yeah, what we're talking about. He's not about. a quarterback. Yeah. And the, the the 50-something million, you know, that's 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 a number that, you know, I could I, – let me tell you this. I could see him getting $50 million guaranteed before he got $144 million or whatever, in my opinion. So because really these contracts – now here we go again, the guaranteed money, you know. So the guaranteed – Fifty-five million. Just call it sixty million. Okay, just call it six for easy numbers. Ten million a year on a cap for six years. Okay, his cap, and then you pay him, and then you're going to pay him eight million a year in salary. So he's going to be at eighteen million. That to me makes more of a of a difference. So now if he's going to get if he's going to get eight million dollars, is the six, mathematics section yeah, of today's yeah, Big Blue so, Kickoff uh, Live. <laughs> this is Jeff serving as general manager and six capologist. Six times eight is forty-eight, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, plus the fifty to sixty million I gave him. That's a hundred eight million. Over six years. Now I Sounds can see good that to happening. Yeah, I would take it. Well, I don't think that you would even hesitate. I just lost. Yeah. A, I just lost thirty-two million, by the way, because you were going to give me one hundred and forty. No, I thirty at thirty-six million. Yes, because I was going to get one hundred and forty-four million, and I was so going to give you one million. You were going to give. So you got now thirty-seven million. You're down as a result. I, I don't know if anybody knows the number, especially that now that all the. It, now correct me if I'm wrong. The draft class receivers in his class have all been paid? For the most part, I believe. Brandon Cooks just got a contract. Okay, he yeah. signed an extension with the Rams. He was mainly the last guy. I mean, the only one, though. But Brandon Cooks is in nowhere near Odell Beckham's category. Well, in terms of production and the fact that he also moved around with a few teams. Yeah. He started with the Saints. He was traded to the Patriots. Then he went to the Rams. I mean, I, I think it's clear that Beckham is in a league of his own with respect to that draft class. Jarvis Landry was in that class. But remember, Jarvis was a second-round pick. So he's yeah. not necessarily on the same level that he didn't have that fifth-year extension on the rookie contract. So it's a little bit different. And then we hear today that, you know, that Julio Jones is holding out. He's not that, even that's what up. the rumors are saying, that when they report to camp on Thursday that he won't. Now, you know, I brought up Julio on this show a number of times because the biggest difference between Julio and Odell Beckham is Julio Jones has an existing contract, Jeff, He's got with three years two left. years or three years left. But he also so got it's a little bit different there. million when he yeah. signed his contract. Well, and it just goes to show you how much the market changes. Yeah, I never, I never liked that one as a player. I never liked a guy that signs a five-year and after two with three left decides that he wants another contract because of the market has gone up. You know, that's like really. I'm. I want for all the houses I sold. You, you know, when the market went up, I want to go back and get and my money. Get the for money those. back. Yes. That's not There's how the it market works. changes. Yeah. yeah. That's not how it works. I mean, we make a lot of money on this show, right? 
I mean, we're, we're not going to go back. Uh, and, I don't want to give away all our secrets, Jeff. I leave that to you. So you I know. promise you that's not the thing. I remain <laughs> tight-lipped when it comes to finances. <laughs> but my point is, is that I just never did like the fact that guys would go back and say, listen, you know, you need to pay me more because all these other guys are getting paid. It's like, shut up and play, and then when you're good enough to get another contract, you get another contract. Well, and, and this goes back to what you just said. It's related to the whole guaranteed money conversation yeah. because a lot of players are of the mindset, if the money's not guaranteed, I need to make my money when I can. So that's why you have this constant conversation and back and forth about renegotiating deals and so forth. Yeah, it's just, you know, he, he got the, he got 40-something million last time he signed his contract two years ago. I Which mean, was basically him setting the million, tone for the wide receiver grouping, yeah. and now yeah. all of a sudden, you know, things have drastically changed. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's something to monitor, but, you know, and I know we get a lot of phone calls on a daily basis, and I'm sure we will as training camp and the season gets underway, but I've said this time and time again. Number one, Odell Beckham is under contract for this coming season. Right. That's not in question. Number two, the Giants always have the franchise tag as a means to retain him if they don't get a long-term deal done. And, and they, they've know, used and they the franchise that. tag before. So, you know, for everybody that says urgency, 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 yes, obviously I think if you're the Giants, you want to get it over with so it's one less thing you got to think about next offseason. But the Giants, as a result of the salary cap and the rules, they have the means to retain Odell Beckham even if a deal is not done. And Correct. that's the important part. For the next two years. Easily. This year and franchise and next, next year, year. Because the third year, everyone then gets quarterback money, regardless of their position. So you never franchise a guy three years in a row. But right. you could very well do that two years in a row. Unless you're a quarterback, of course. <laughs> well, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell yeah, got was, the franchise tag for the second straight year with the Seals. He's you know, certainly not going to get it next year. No you're not going to pay a running back quarterback money. And that's why in the new rules and regulations in the last CBA, they made it that way to obviously prevent, prevent teams yeah. from – putting a tag on a player in the third straight year. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Bruce is in California. Bruce, what's happening? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, Bruce. Doing well, Bruce. What do you got for us? Good, good. Hey, I had a couple thoughts and questions on uh, on fourth down decision-making and punting. And uh, Jeff, I, I know you Beautiful. right up his alley. Of this, so he loves I this phone call. Write this call topic. up with the best one ever. <laughs> Okay, and this is maybe a little like asking a barber if you need a haircut, right? But uh, I think that a lot of times uh, the teams and coaches have started to go for for it on fourth down rather than punt, and that seems like consistent with all of the analytics that have shown that most of the time that's a better that's a better plan. You, you end up with uh, with better things, and I think you know maybe the old days where scoring was less, and you know there was a more of a concern of it. But but now with the dynamic offenses, it just seems like it it, it makes much more sense to to go for it more often than 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 people used to i know there's a lot of factors that go into it you know field position score you know all that sort of thing but you know last year the giants punted 95 times that was more than any football team in the nfl and uh they uh they went for it on 18 percent of their fourth downs so I guess the question, which, which again, is one of the lowest in the league, um, and they only made it 38% of the time. I guess what I kind of think is with, with, with the Saquon Barkley, with a better line, with the dynamic elements we have, um, it, I would like to see them be a little more aggressive than they've been historically. And I wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, I know um, uh, Shermer last year in Minnesota had the fewest attempts in fourth down last year. And the yeah, I'm actually I'm looking at those numbers right now. Vikings had seven attempts on fourth down last year, and they only converted one. So that was just right. 14%. Now, I, don't know, I don't know if that's Zimmer 
or whether Shermer yeah, played a part in that. Yeah, you've got to take that into consideration, of course. Yeah. That's a fair point. Right, because the, the head coach call, right? So, yep. But it just seems to me that, that the Giants are in a position where they should be really uh, a little more aggressive, and it, and it would work you know, a little better. I know that may cut into the punter's business, but it just feels like, all too often, you know, we're we're not we're not being as aggressive as we should, and it it feels like we should be more up in the maybe you know the better teams in the league seem to be doing you know maybe instead of eighteen percent they're more up into the twenty five to thirty percent of the time on fourth down they're going for it, and their conversion rates are pretty high. The question is, is you know, what do you guys think of that? Well, I think it, to start off with, I think it all determines two things in my mind. How good your defense is, okay? Because I think that's a big – that's why I think that Zimmer, knowing that the Vikings yeah, had Minnesota a great, had great defense, defense yeah. probably said, you know what, I'm not going to go for it on fourth down. I'm just going to put my defense out there and let them – we're going to punt the football. The other thing is is that um, – so that's number one. Number two, it, it all has to do with the game. I mean, where you are uh, – and, and I think that maybe you go for it a little bit more at the beginning of the football games rather than the ends. Because at the end, you kind of understand where, what, where the game's going. You're either behind or ahead, whatever you want to do. But um, I think that with today's offenses, you can become very creative and game plan against certain defenses to, to convert plays. It, it, look at the Super Bowl. You know, they come out and they throw, you know, they throw. The, the Eagles were one of the probably, I don't know if they're not in front of me, but I think they were one of the top teams going for it on fourth down. 65%. 26 attempts, which was second most, and they had the best conversion rate of the most 62%? attempts. 62%? 65% they converted. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so just think the Giants, you said the Giants were 38%. Um, that's pretty low when it's considering that's almost. Well, the Giants were 38. I don't mean to interrupt you, Jeff, but in fairness, they had 21 attempts on fourth down, which actually was the sixth most in the NFL. Yeah. Right, so their conversion you know, rate was wasn't only high. 18% of all the fourth downs they faced. So yeah, because well, they it, punted it, 95 I mean, times. That's why. of course. Yeah. yeah, they punted 95. Which, times. Which, by the way, if we, we can still keep piling on this 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 conversation, goes to show you how bad they were on first and second down. Yeah. Okay, because they're right. third and they're third and longs convert. They were third and longs. They had to punt 95 times. Therefore, they only went for it 18% of the time, and then their play selection was horrible, and they converted 38% of them on fourth down. But I think creativity plays a big part in this. I feel like Shermer is a guy that will be able to create mismatches on fourth down and be able to gamble a little bit more with the personnel that he has on this team now. I just think last year it just didn't go for it. I just thought you, know, right. you saw how the plays were called in this offense last year. They, they, were, they were horrendous. I mean, 11 right. personnel right. The, whole, the whole season. Yeah, well, I mean, the other right. thing to take into consideration is, you know, over the last few years, this has been a team that has struggled immensely in short yardage situations. Oh, so geez, when you immensely. take that into consideration, and it's not just fourth and ones and fourth and twos. I'm talking about, you know, third and ones and third and twos. And then Horrible. all of a sudden, you know, setting yourself up to now have even worse field position, and then you have no choice but to punt. I, I think, you know, piggybacking off of Jeff's point, the one thing you have to take into consideration, Bruce, when you want a team to be aggressive is field position. Because, I mean, it could be fourth and one, but if you're on your own 30-yard line, I mean, I think you're going to punt. If you're around sure. midfield, I think it's something you consider based on how your defense is playing and how well your offensive line is performing. But field position is huge in the National Football League. The last thing you want to do is give a gift to a team where, forget a touchdown, you perhaps are just giving them a free look at a field goal, and then that could be the difference between winning and losing a football game. I would not be personally in favor of a team constantly taking chances and you're giving one first down to the opposing team 
team, and they're already in field goal you range. You put a lot of pressure on yeah, your defense. And, a lot. And over time, I think your defense will become to regret everything that the offense is doing on fourth down. <laughs> Before you know it, they're yeah. going to be in the meeting rooms well, going, let me, let me, let me <laughs> what another, are you guys doing? Another yeah. thought for you and see what you guys think of this. Uh, you know, watching the Giants return, punt return program is like, Truly torturous. Uh, you know, I, I look back and I think four of the last six years we're in the bottom ten percent of the league. Okay, on on punt returns. Um, you know, I kind of subscribe to Mike Tomlin's Anthony Brown, Antonio Brown. You know, put your stars on the yep. field. Odell Beckham is the most exciting punt returner I've seen in fifty years of watching the Giants. You know, and and it, it just feels to me like um, if you if you can put the ball in his hand. Uh, he has great hands, so he doesn't fumble. Um, and you just always are putting your opponent in a questioning mode of what you're going to do. What do you guys think of that? I, I, I like it. I like it, and a lot of people aren't going to agree with me. I like it because of just what you said. Your best player on the field, okay? Now, do you have to do it 100% of the time? No, okay? But I feel like I can tell you this. When, when I was going up against an opponent that had a, a – like an amazing punt returner. Okay? Devin Hester. Devin Hester, guys like that. You change your game plans, okay? Uh-huh. So you want you want the, the team to know that 13 is going to be back there. Okay, he may not be back there every single time, but you're going to pre- damn, you're going to prepare for him to be back there, okay? And you're telling the punter to kick it away from him or do whatever you can not to let him make a play because I'm you know this, we all know this. I know this for a fact that the punt returners in today's game are better than the 11 guys. I say 10 guys because the punter's not running down there making tackles. He's a better athlete than the 10 guys that are running down there to make to tackle him. And in this case, there's no question in my mind that number 13 is a way better athlete than anybody covering and just make him make a play. Now, I would also say to Odell Beckham, understand this. I need you to make a play, but I also need you to be very smart. Okay, so if you get, if you fair catch the ball, I'm okay with it. Okay, if you get a chance to return it and there's nothing there, get out of bounds. Pick your get spots. Get low. Pick your spots. Okay, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on you that if you can make a play, do it. But if not, be very careful. And I'm okay. in agreement with uh, Jeff Bruce. Uh, I also am in agreement with you. I always bring up Antonio Brown as an example. Mike Tomlin never hesitates. He puts his best player out there. I remember when Odell Beckham was utilized, if you remember, a few years ago in the Cleveland Browns game. And then he wound up, what, returning it twice, and they were both called back. I mean, you could see, yeah. listen, in a flash, he's yeah. capable of taking it to the house. So, you know, I now, am always for... Risk, honestly, guys, yeah. is, that, is that we have, you know, Blocking in the back penalties because he, he bounces all over the field so much, you know. But he's exciting to watch, and he can change a game in, a, in an instant. You well, know? and I'm not making the argument from an optics standpoint. I'm just making the argument from what you pointed out. You're talking about he is the by far the best overall talent in terms of the return game. Why not give him opportunities? I think if you can find the middle ground where you're not utilizing him on every single punt, but you're taking chances with him here or there, I think that's going to help the team in the long run. Okay. And a third real quick question I wanted to get uh, your guys' thoughts on. Um, I think Darrell Scott in 2011 was the last time we faked the punt that scored a touchdown. Uh, and the question I had is, you know, a guy like Barkley is a good blocker. And, and if you put him as a protecting blocker in, on a punt formation, every single team you play will have to think that you may be running a fake punt. Barkley, what do you guys think of putting him back there in that position? What, 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 how do you how do you look at that? All right, Bruce, and we'll let you go on that note as we answer Thanks. that question. Appreciate okay, the phone thank call. You. Thanks so much, yep. Randy. I, I think it's I think it's very difficult for the fact that 
look, we're looking at Saquon Barkley as a three-down player. Okay, so and now you're asking him to go on fourth down two and run down and cover. I know he's young. I know he's healthy. I, I mean, I know he's a he's like a, he's you know, but I think it's a lot to do that. And I think that um, you know you need a guy there that is a little more fresh that can run down and and, and cover. I agree with you. Plus, you're probably going to ask him to come in on third down as a pass protector. How many hits do you want to expose him to? See, there's a difference, Jeff, in putting Odell Beckham out there as a punt returner yeah. versus having a guy block where you know he's going to get hit. Yeah. Beckham can run out of bounds. If, if Barkley's the protector, he can't run out of bounds. Right. He, he's there because you want him to protect. And, so, the, and the other thing is that usually that's a, that's a guy that's on the bench and is, it, it has his wind. And he just he didn't just get done running a 12 yard out, yeah. and the ball was thrown to him, and now it's fourth down. He's going to run all the way back, and now he's going to have to get in. You know, I know that he's doing that every play, anyways. But it's just like it's just it's just a build up of thing. So bottom line is, I don't think that that's a position. I think that's a good it's a good point that teams would have to defend against it. And which, by the way, I would love because they're never going to rush me if I was punting. If, if Saquon Barkley is, they're the always going to be protector. concerned about him. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good thing. But I just think in in the grand scheme of things, I think it's one part where you just say, you know what, we're not. I would rather have Saquon Barkley returning kickoffs than him being a personal protector on the punt. I'm with you there. And I think you might see him returning some kickoffs this year. Why I wouldn't you? they'll give him an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, they've been utilizing, going back to the spring, they were rotating guys in every which way, whether it be kickoffs, punt returns. Hunter Sharp is another guy mm-hmm. who has received a lot of work. I mean, Cody Latimer obviously is a special team guy that has return experience. So I think they're going to continue to test the waters out in the preseason because the more options you have, Sterling Shepard's another guy I would throw out there, then, you know, obviously you're deeper on the roster. Yeah, with respect and to I, that. And I agree with the caller, you know, the fact that, you know, the return game, uh, Dwayne Harris was a guy that came over there. He was supposed to be, you know, the next coming. And I think that he did a good job until he started getting hurt. You know, the and first then, season dynamic. Yeah, home return for season. a touchdown, kickoff return for a touchdown, and then I never saw anything after that. Tough player, by the way, just an amazing, tough guy. But just never – so, yeah, that's something missing. And I think that the special teams is going to have to be a lot better than they were last year. I think they might have been dead last last year in the league in the special teams category. Well, and it's interesting. You brought up Harris. Remember, Harris was unique, Jeff. He played on all four teams. No question. He was just as important in coverage as he was in the return <laughs> He's game. He's a great gunner. He's a great gunner. Kickoff return. Uh, you know, he played returner, I mean, punt returner, and then on the uh, punt team. So, yeah. Yep. Let's head back to the phone lines. We've got Pete on Staten Island. Pete, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hi, Pete. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Doing how well, you, Pete. How you doing over there, Pete? I'm doing good. How you doing? <laughs> That's, I love it. I know, you, I know you love that, Jeff. I do. I uh, do. Anyway, um, I want to talk about two things. One, the, the uh, uh, what is it, Connor Barwin? Is that his Connor name? Barwin, it's yes. Wrong. Yeah. Ooh, and just um, just before you go right. on, Pete, before you go on about Connor Barn, we just want to make it clear: nothing official at all from the Giants' perspective. We are aware of the media reports, but nothing official. Okay, so well, you know, having said that, <laughs> if it is a fact, okay, you know, you go back to Getty's early presser, okay, uh, you know, when he first got hired, uh, where he said basically, you never have enough talent, and I don't care what position it is. And you can never never have enough depth, and you can never have enough competition. And he's sticking to that blueprint, and I gotta love that. Okay, um, uh, and I also like the fact, if in fact he is signed, that he has played with his uh, hand, his head now for the ground as an edge rusher. Yeah, so well, he's he's played both ways. The appeal of the player. 
he's been in uh, a 3-4 system for the majority of his career, going back to when he was with the Houston Texans and then as well as with the Eagles. So their versatility aspect is there when it comes to him. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. And uh, the second thing I wanted to bring up is uh, the, uh, the Sam Beal signing. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the Giants have uh, a, what do you call it, a compensatory pick in 2019. I think it might be, uh, at worst, a fifth-rounder, at best, a fourth-rounder. Am I correct on that? And I, then I'll explain what, why I think You're it's talking about 2018, uh, 2019, you're talking about that draft? 19, correct. I think you're right about... I think that was through the Alec Ogletree trade, if I'm correct, that they received an additional pick. I have to look that up as confirmation, but I, I, I believe you may be right. But well, you can continue to make your point with respect to that. Okay. Well, was it, it wasn't a compensatory pick. I think what you're talking about is an additional pick that yeah, they okay. got as a result of that yeah. trade. Yeah. Right. Com- com- it's either a fifth or a fourth. Well, yeah, because really com- sure. compensatory but picks my, are not decided my, until obviously free agency ends and everything. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, my point is this. If, now, I don't know if you guys read the report on what Walter Football had as a grade on Sam Beal. Their report was a grade A+. Plus, and they expected him to go uh, in the 2019 draft. Yeah, first uh, rounder. At, at the end of the first round. Yep. Now, now, having said that, if that's the case, with forward thinking by Getty, what he actually did was give up a three for a five. So in a forward-thinking kind of uh, looking at it, I think it was a, 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 a very astute move. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, obviously Beal is raw. We know that. And I'm not so sure he's going to get a lot of playing time this year. But uh, if Walter is correct, you've given up a three for a five, with the potential of having a top first round, a possible top first round pick. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Where's the three for the five? I'm, I'm losing you with the fifth. Well, I'm looking it up. It was a 2019 seventh round pick. That's what was involved in the Alec Ogletree trade. Okay. So okay. I, 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 Yeah, what I meant with the three for, yeah. the, for the five was that you've, you've basically given up a third round pick, right? Now, Walter has him graded going in the first round, the end of the first. So, in actuality, you've really given up a third for a seventh. I thought it was a fifth. And with the potential of having a player who graded out in the first round. So, so in a forward-thinking kind of deal, I think that it was a uh, very astute move. That's what I mean. The correlation would have been more to the 3-5, it'd be correlated in becoming, or, or if they had him graded that high, as 8-plus, well, I, first I mean, Pete, round, per, end, of, end okay. of first round per, Personally, I, I mean, I, I think you're just making it way too complex than it needs to be. The way that I look at it is, yes, he was a projected first-round pick. They're thinking if we get him in this year, by the time 2019 rolls along, he's going to be that much more experienced and polished because he would already have been in a camp throughout an entire season, and it's good value, meaning that if you could get him now and all you're doing is sacrificing a third-round pick for next year and he's going to be ahead of the curve, it's just a good value decision, period. Yep. yep. And I think right, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and again, if there was, if, uh, if was a fifth, and I thought it was, I read somewhere where it was a fifth, okay? So in actuality, 
rally, the way I looked at it, was that you've, that you've given up a three, four, five. So it, it just made a lot of sense to me. Yep. Well, you guys have a great day. Hi, Pete. You could discuss Thank it, you, Pete. And I might be overthinking it, and I am, and I'm looking forward to camp, and I've had enough of baseball. I can't take it four out. <laughs> <laughs> enough is enough. Hi, right, Pete. I'll talk to you in a few days, guys. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for waiting. I, th- I think it's a good pick. I, I actually, I, I disagree. I think he will. I think he will be on the field. This guy, I think he will. I think I, 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 I like him. I think that he. I think the team likes him, and I think that they, like we said before in this program, there's not a lot of supplemental draft picks out there. And when they go after these guys, and they they're going to spend a pick on them, they they think that they're good enough to do it. So you know, and I think that the value is there. A third rounder this year. It would have been a first rounder, and you don't even know if you would have got him next year. It would some other team might have taken. Of course, because you don't know where you're going to draft Absolutely. in the first round. You have yeah. no idea about your position. And, and I'm sure a, that was part of the and if he's, philosophy. If he's, uh, you know, if he's if he's kind of said that he was going to be a late first round pick, then you know maybe that's a good thing. You would have been picking late first round. That means good for this 2018 season. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you just you can never predict know. the future. Yeah. Who so knows how it's going to play out? Two in the bush. You got him now. For a third round pick, and that's the value that you put on him. And I think that, you know, when uh, they they have to, you got to put a value on these guys. We feel that this third rounder is a good is a good pick for him. Well, and here's the other thing to take into consideration with Sam Beal. Most players that may come in after they're taken in the supplemental draft could be joining a team that you know has a pretty rigid look at what they're working with at corner. Meaning, yeah. you know, you got four or five, six guys that good. you feel good yeah. about, that you know are in place, and you're just going to let them compete Not to here. just rearrange your depth chart. Here, he's walking into a situation, Jeff, where, I mean, even the number ones at this point, Eli Apple's looking to bounce back, Janoris Jenkins coming off an injury, William Gay is a veteran, but nothing's locked up yeah, there, and no. then everybody else behind him, some guys haven't even been in the NFL for an entire season. That's my point. That's yeah. why I think the guy's going to play. I think that's why he's going to compete. He's it's encouraging compete. for him. That that's no basically questions. what I'm laying yeah. out here. Yeah. yeah. And and again, I, I always go back. I said to this earlier is that the fact that he didn't come into this draft wasn't because that, you know, he he just he had some things going on at school. So he wasn't he didn't you know. And I don't know the whole story here, but there was a reason why he was in the supplemental draft, and it wasn't because he was you know had off season. He was you know, like off season. No, off it wasn't like off problems. the field issues. No, no it, it was strictly it was, it had academic to do and with credits. Academic credits. And, yes, and that's being exactly eligible. what it was. That's so. You know, let's put all that aside so people can bring that stuff up. But that's not the case. The, the fact of the matter is, is the guy can play football. He's a big guy, too. You know, he's six foot, 280 pounds, and that's a good size for a cornerback. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Mark is in Chicago. Mark, what's, up, what's Mark? happening? Hey, guys, football is in the air. I love oh, it. Oh, my it God, it's indeed. all over the place. <laughs> hey, hey uh, no disrespect, uh, Lance. I do want to address a couple of questions to Jeff. Yeah, and, no worries. Uh, uh, Jeff, I know we picked up Dixon from uh, Denver. Yes. And maybe you could give us a preview of yeah. you know, what type of kicker he is, what kinds of things we should be looking for okay. in the preseason, because I think he is the favorite. Is he one of these Australian-type kickers, more no. directional kicker? And also, what do you think the impact is of moving from Denver to New York, obviously mile high to sea level? Yeah, I, I think that one of the reasons that uh, – that, 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 Broncos got rid of Riley Dixon because they had the opportunity to, to sign the guy from the Raiders. Um, uh, the, the, what's his name? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Hello. Yeah, um, now, now the name is escaping anyway, me. Anyway, so, so that kind of made him a little expendable. So uh, and I think that the Giants picked up a kid that's uh, – this is his fourth or fifth Marquette year. Marquette King. Marquette King. So, yes. 
you know, listen, he Marquette King averages 48, 49 yards a kick in Oakland. I can't imagine what he's going to do in Denver. So segueing that to, to your question about the altitude, it does make a difference, okay? Um, the ball sails out there. But I think what you're getting from Riley Dixon is a guy that um, has, uh, has experience, okay? He's learned to punt in the league. He's going to be in his fourth or fifth year. I think it's his fifth year coming up out of Syracuse. So he's kicked in bad weather before. I even know he's been in the dome up there at times. But um, I think what you're going to get out of him is he's a good directional guy. He's not an Australian rules football guy, but he can kick that Aussie rule kick. Not like Wing. Wing had all these different types of Aussie kicks. But I think the biggest thing on him is he's got to get a little bit more consistent, and hopefully that will be the case. But he's got a strong leg, and he can, do, he can direction. He can direction very well. So that's what you'll get out of him. Well, I like the experience aspect sure. because Wing, I think, was sort of new at it. And ever since Green Bay, I think the dude lost his confidence and sure, that it happens. just rolled into last year. That's so. what happens. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, the other thing, Jeff, is you know, you've been in the locker room, uh, you've been at the negotiating table. And I sort of wanted to address an OBJ contract question to you. Um, you know, a lot of guys are on Twitter with their hairs on fire, their hair on fire that, you know, we aren't signing OBJ to a contract. And I was on the air yesterday, and I sort of thought OBJ, if he's close to 100%, I think he wants to get a little bit more playing time than we might think so he can prove to the Giants that he's fully back, capable. He's the old OBJ or maybe an improved OBJ even. He's more mature. Um, I think from the Giants' side, they'd like to see that. I think one of the things is that they're a little nervous about you know, his past antics on the field which yeah. I think may be keeping them from moving forward a little bit. But I guess my real question is, you know, when you're negotiating a contract like this, you know, from a player's perspective, what is it that you're really looking at? Because when you look at, obviously, the guaranteed money is changing, and that's okay. going to be more. But, you know, if you look at, you know, the opportunity to play in New York or L.A., I mean, you might be willing to take less money because your off-field opportunities are going to be a lot more. I mean, obviously, you're looking at the organization. You know, when well, it really gets down to it, you, you know, he wants to be the highest paid ever. That's not going to happen. He's probably going to be the highest paid receiver, but by how much? I mean, when you're looking at a couple of million dollars over five years, does it really make that much difference? Well, I think you're looking at two different things here. So one, the first thing is that Odell is still under contract. So I think that – and he knows he's going to be here for two more years because if they don't sign him this year, they're going to franchise him next year. So that is, in my thinking, you got to – if you're Odell, you have to understand that. And what what you want as a player, number one, you want to know that the, that the organization is going to be with you and that, they're, that, you, that, that they want you. They're going to take care of you. Um, they've they've looked at your your body of work, what you've done for the organization in the last three, four, five years, however many years you've played for them, okay? And the fact that you do you want to finish your career there? Do they want you to be a lifetime New York Giant? You know, a guy that never got out of the building. Those all are the kind of things that mean mean a lot to the player. Um, on the other on the other side of the coin is that, listen, you know, if they're if they're gonna treat me a certain way and I don't like this and I think this is where guys kind of have to take a step back and say listen this is a business decision it's not so much about you know who I am and how my you know what I'm doing off the field this is a complete business organizational structural decision about money and so you can't get your you know you can't get too upset about what they've been saying now all these teams will come in low just like any other negotiating if anybody does mm-hmm. it for a living you know you start low and you move up so I think feeling comfortable with those types of things, like I said, do you want the te- you want the team to know that that 
you as a person, they like you, they want you here, that they're not just BSing you, that this is what they're going to do and they're going to take care of you. Now, I, listen, I could I could have asked to be the highest paid punter or a highest paid player in the NFL. You know it wasn't going to happen. I mean, the highest paid players in the NFL are not wide receivers. They're not. They're quarterbacks. So I think you got to get that under thing. But I will tell you one thing that I think that, that I like what I'm seeing about Odell is that the fact that he, he does, I think, in my mind, want to prove that he's the best there is and that he's going to go out there and work. If I'm Odell and I'm in, in his camp, guys get a little bit crazy because of what happened last year. You know, he could go out and this is his contract year and he's going to get hurt. That is going to devalue him tremendously. Because we're looking at it right now. We're like, hey, he's coming off of an injury. We want to make sure that he's okay and can he still play. Just think if he went out there and played for this contract for next year and he got hurt again. Oh, my God. So those are some things. It's a tough situation. But the bottom line here is that you as a player want to know that you're welcome and that the team wants you and that they're going to do everything they can to sign you. But there comes a point in time when it is a business decision and the organization is going to tell you this is it. We backed the truck up. This is as far as we're going. And either take it or leave it. And if you don't take it, we're just going to franchise you next year, anyways. Yeah. So the fact that OBJ isn't really saying anything in the media, and assuming he's close to 100, percent you know, do they when they're doing this negotiations and the, the little dance before you really get down to the nitty gritty, are they sending out the signals that yeah, we want you to be here, kind of thing? And that's why maybe you aren't seeing him, other than saying you want to be the highest paid. Is that the kind of thing that's going on in the background? I don't know. I'm just guessing. But in my opinion, I think that the right thing to do is to say, hey, just show up, do what you're supposed to do, be a team player. That's going to eliminate the distraction right there. The minute you don't show up, it's now becomes the Odell Beckham show and that everything else is lost in the shuffle. We're a new team. We have a new culture that we're trying to establish around here. We've got a new coaching staff. The last thing that we want to have is this is this this hangover of, of last year's season, and now we're in a, in a contract dispute over Odell Beckham, and, and, and the whole thing gets lost. You know, when, when Gettleman and Shermer started this team, they needed to, to clean the locker room up. They needed to clean the culture up. They needed to get a new taste in their mouth. The last thing that they want is this hanging over their head. And so I think that that's kind of what maybe has been told to Odell is that to come in here, you know, mind your P's and Q's, and let's just we'll get this done, but let's just kind of move on. And he's also he's been present, like that's I said, what I'm for so every yeah. single thing yep. on the calendar. Yep. And, and if you compare Odell Beckham to other players across the league, it's been night and day. Khalil Mack of the Raiders has been holding out. Aaron Donald of the Rams has been holding out. Julio Jones of the Falcons is now going to be holding out. David Johnson of the Cardinals held out from their mandatory minicamp. You haven't heard anything with respect to Odell Beckham. It's been all the other players. So, I mean, he's standing out from the rest because he actually showed up despite the fact that he's entering the final year of his contract. And I think, I think it all goes back to what we said earlier in the program is the fact that I think that Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman sat down with Odell and said, listen, we need to get to know you. We need to figure out what, what you know, so they've had this discussion and we want to be with you. We want to, we want to, you're our guy. You know, we don't want to have this, you know, this relationship that's toxic. We want to have a good relationship. Here's what I want you to do for us. Can you do it? And Odell has responded to that request. Well, I hope the injury situation last year has lent itself to him becoming more mature on both on and off the yeah, field. you hope. And hopefully this, you know, this is a sign that he's there. And uh, we can hopefully put this thing to bed here sooner rather than later. And so, you know what? Thanks, I, I Jeff. I I you're welcome. I Appreciate the phone I call. don't think that Pat Shermer 
really, it, I think that he wants Odell to do his whatever he does after it. That's it's okay, just within within reason, you know. Like do your do your dance, but let's just okay, but not get out of hand where it's like craziness, you know? Because the guy, <laughs> the guy does compete. I, I've watched him at practice, and if you talk to any of his teammates, he's a heck of a, a locker room guy. And he's a heck of a practice player. He's a heck of a football player on Sundays. He just gets this craziness to him that has to kind of you gotta you gotta just control it a little bit. And I think that may I'm hoping that maybe he works on that a little bit. But you never want to have him tell him you can't do these things on the field. Just it, like off like when it's over, yeah, kind of tone it down. But I still want you to play football. I still want you to be OBJ, my guy. I mean, come on, channeling your emotions. Channel basically. the emotions. That's what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's an emotional so. guy. Listen, there's plenty he of is. other guys that are emotional when very they're in the good. end zone yeah, and I so mean, forth. Look at Dettino. He's very emotional, yeah, too. I mean, Dettino, I mean, though, though Dettino, even though it's funny you brought him up, I know. you know, because when you started going on your little dissertation there, it, it sounded like I was sitting next to Dettino for a second. I was mm-hmm. a bit scared. No, you know, the, this, ever, this yeah. old school philosophy, you can't show emotion, you can't celebrate, you know, that's Dettino. 100% that's the Tino. That is to- and it should be me too, but I'm 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 a realist. No, I, you're I, a little I, bit I more looser in terms of those restrictions. Be- because yeah. you know what? I I understand that what I- Listen, I have I have ki- I have four kids that are over the age of 19 to 20 uh, all the way to 20. I get it. They they, they don't the they generation. like to see it. Yeah. It's a new generation. So I understand. I'm not going to be that curmudgeon that that comes so forward and says, "You know, we used to do it this way and back <laughs> and in back the day." In my day blah, yeah. Blah, blah. Yeah. You know, that's that's not uh, okay. I get it. Do, do I have to like it? No, but that's the way the game is today. They really do. Well, my philosophy is if you're not taking anything away from the team and you're not putting yourself in a position where you're getting penalized, then I have no problem with the emotion that a player showcases. That's why I always said, I mean, if you're really going to put Odell Beckham under the microscope, Jeff, if there's anything you want to get really critical over, it would be what happened with Josh Norman in the Panthers game because that was obviously something that put himself in danger. He got penalized. He got suspended as a result of that. Other than that, I personally have never had any issue because it's not taken away from the team. Well, listen, the, the league brought back the celebration, so that tells you something about So they're allowing they the players to express their freedom, yeah, 100%. To, yeah. You just have to do it, and it's all about – and Tom Coughlin was a big – he said this all the time. It's, it's team first. It's yeah. all about the team. You can do whatever you want. Just make sure it doesn't get in, in – just get in between the team, and that means penalties and putting your teammates in a bad situation. Having the kicker kick off from the 20-yard line is putting your team in of a course. bad position. Of course, and that's where you come back to haunt yourself and your right. teammates. That's right. where you have to draw the line. Yep. And and that's where the NFL has drawn the line because even when they allowed players to celebrate, notice they said, you know, if there's any foul behavior – that's crossing the line. Yeah. So it's not as if they gave free reign. They just said, we're going to loosen the reins. We're going to give you the flexibility to celebrate. It's an emotional they, game. It's sports entertainment. But at the same time, you have to understand there's going to be some restrictions on that. It's entertainment is what it is. The NFL yeah. is entertainment. It, it really That's is. why we consume the sport. Absolutely. I don't know if the next phone call will be entertainment. That remains to it's be seen. It's always entertaining to hear from Charlie. Charlie's in Portland, Maine. Charlie, what's happening? Hey, hey, Lance. Hey, Jeff. What's How are we doing, Charlie? Hey, uh, I'm good. Talking about Mr. Approachable. Here I am. Yeah. Hey, I got a He'll never hesitate from giving himself a nickname on this program. Mr. Yeah. Approachable. Guy's on is cloud like, nine all of a sudden. Is that like Mr. Illness? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. Trust me. He'll go on a whole rant and a dissertation on that. Mr. So. Hey, look. Yeah. What happens? This is, uh, you know, what happens if... They, they're negotiating with, say, Collins, and they sign Collins 
to a long-term extension, <clears throat> and they don't sign Odell. How is Odell going to react to that situation? Not happily. <laughs> <laughs> no. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We so, could have a big problem on our hands. Or I well, won't have a problem. Well, the I Giants mean, will have a problem. In, in fairness, though, the safety market is different than the wide receiver market, and it's a completely different position. I get where you're going because I know you're going to make the comparison that you have two players coming off of an injury. So you want to see both players out on the field before perhaps you invest in them. And if one guy gets a deal first, then what does that make the other guy feel? I, I, I see what you're drawing connections to, and I understand that they're relatable in that way, but that's like comparing the quarterback position to the defensive tackle position in my mind. Wide receivers are going to get a lot of money because of the premium position they play compared to the safety position. And all you need to do, Charlie, is look at the safety market this year. Notice how None. a lot of veterans are still out on the market. Last a lot year. of safeties had problems getting deals this year. That's not a coincidence. That's just how the market has played out. Yeah, but the thing is, is that for Odell, he might feel disrespected that you know, that Collins is signed and that's it. They're not going to sign him or they're going to, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I just think this could be a big problem and issue. And then Odell and his team are going to have to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to sit out? You know, am I going to sit out the uh, the uh, season, uh, at least the first six or eight games, whatever it is, and uh, to draw attention to this? I mean, it could be a big disaster looming. If they if they sign Collins and they don't sign Odell, this is going to be a disaster in the waiting. So I'm just hoping Gettleman is smart enough not to do that. We will see, Charlie. We will definitely see. Yeah, him Charlie's the type of guy that, you know, you could look at him at home on the wall. He has, like, the criteria for the apocalypse on his wall, and he, like, just takes down, you know, Saquon Barkley got his contract, so he took that down from the apocalypse wall, and now Odell Beckham got moved up to number one. He's got Landon Collins to number two. He's like, he waits for the world to come to an end, and he gets all nervous and worked up, and then every time somebody else gets a new contract, we take him off the wall, and then he's going to find something else. Yeah, you know, this guy didn't get a pair of new cleats in a timely fashion, so we got to worry about this becoming like Who's on deck or who's in the hole on the apocalypse yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a question for you. What? Who's who's going to be our backup long snapper? Because Dorsey's getting there up oh, there in age. Come on, there's no, no backup no, long snapper. No, I don't seriously. know. Seriously, I mean, they got to have somebody. <laughs> what I tell you, these are the things he thinks about. To be able to do that. Like so, I said, who's well, in the at... hole or who's on deck? It's the backup long yeah. snapper now. That's who's on deck. <laughs> Charlie, there is no backup long snapper. There's nowhere in the in the roster or anywhere that it says backup long snapper. Well, that's stupid. They got to have somebody. Well, well they have somebody. But yeah, not, I mean, they, they prepare somebody. You know, like an extra offensive lineman. It's probably they, a tight end or yeah. somebody like that. But I mean, I think that Zach will be fine. And if they listen, O'Hara was our backup snapper when I was around. He yeah. did a fine job. You know, not not the greatest, but he did it. You know, so yeah. you can get through a game. You'd well, okay. and there was also that year that Deossi, remember, went on IR, and they wound yeah. up signing a new long snapper, somebody yeah, who like, had experience. Now, yeah, now, now, Jet, now, now, like what, in the game, that was a guy from Harvard. 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 Harvard, yes. No, but what, what 
Charlie's going to now what? argue. He's going to be saying that the, the free agent market for long snappers <laughs> is not what it used to be. No, so he's nervous that there's not going to be anybody to sign in week nine. Yeah. For something to happen, they should have somebody who is practicing it. They do. But they do. And the purpose is that they do. They do always have somebody okay. in an emergency and circumstance. And actually, yeah. I'll tell you what. It's, it's, a line, it's one of the linebacker. Herzlick is a, is, can snap. Okay. And there's okay. also one other guy that's on the roster that is uh, like a third-team linebacker that, that you know, he's probably not going to make the team. But I, Herzlick is your guy. He's yeah. your backup snapper. Which makes sense because, remember, Diossi right. is a linebacker himself. And the way that he right. made a name for himself all these years is because he was a key special teamer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I just think that's an important uh, backup Well, Charlie, I, listen – I just want – I don't want you to lose sleep tonight. I, I want you to know that they are preparing somebody for emergency circumstances to handle long-snapping right. duties. Can, can you promise me that you're going to be able to sleep okay tonight? Uh, I, I just want to know because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on with the rest of my day. I know who he is. I don't have to ask him, Charlie. I just told you. All right. It's, it's oh, Mark it's Yep. Yeah. What if he doesn't make the team? See, I told you. There's never going to be. Uh, there's always question C and then part D. Charlie, yeah. what if the sun doesn't come up tomorrow? What are we going to do? <laughs> a some some day, things you deep. address as they come along, Charlie. Okay. Charlie okay, wants to make sure. Charlie, go back the, into your cave up there yeah. in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. He's preparing for the right, world guys. to come to an end. Underneath yeah. in the basement, he's got an entire. How many packs of batteries yeah. and oh, candles do you have? Yeah, you got, you know, cereal boxes from the hey, year of the turn of the century. Up. It's beautiful up in Maine in the summer. I'm you guys sure it is. Well, we, you know, we, you sent us lobsters. That's enough of a long-term connection. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if we're ready to make the next move, which is we want to move a little bit closer up north. You know, we, it's, bad, it's bad enough that we had to go through an entire environmental testing with those lobsters just to make yeah. sure that they were safe to eat. <laughs> Too many bugs up there. Yeah. Hey, I, I actually have a ticket for one of the camp camps coming up, so... I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I got a ticket just in case I can. All so. right. All right, Charlie. Well, well listen. Make sure you, you let know, us know. I, I just, I just hope I that you know Maine keeps you active. We'll you know, get extra security. It, don't make, for you. don't make it a priority. It's really not necessary to come out to camp. You watch Big, Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll tell you everything you missed. I promise. I, I don't kinda, worry about you it. You know what? I kind of no? don't want to meet you in person because I have this, I have this image of what you look like. <laughs> so I don't you, want you. Don't want to. I don't want to tarnish it. it. Yeah, I don't blame yeah. you. I don't blame you. Why tarnish it? See, Charlie, you got a respectable <laughs> reputation right now. I don't know if I'd want to. Come on the dark side. But it's always good hearing right. from you, Charlie. We appreciate right, the phone call. Yes. See you later. Boy, Bye. I didn't think we were going to dissect how many long snappers there are on the team. Oh, you, you never, never know, know what you're going to cover on hey, this program. We, we had a couple of special teams questions today. We, had one we did, which is right up your alley. Yeah. Well, but Riley Dixon and his style of punting to me is a little bit more relevant than Wrong in the event that Charlie's time. concerned that two guys who have snapped get hurt. So who'd be the third guy on the laundry list of things to he do. He said it's a little concerning that we don't have a backup long snapper. Well, that goes to show you who we're talking to. Charlie gets concerned he about gets the concerned. most irrelevant, stupid Correct. stuff I've ever seen in yes. my life. The, the minutiae of I'm, football I'm surprised is he didn't he see that Beattie was a backup snapper. We should <laughs> you know, bring him back. Well, see, that's probably what he was angling for. <laughs> Give him time. You know, yeah. you, you took that yeah. right from his head. Yeah, I He bet. was angling for that. Oh, yeah. boy. Always an event with uh, Charlie. Well, that is going to wrap things up for us. Can't say that we wrap things up on a high note on this program today, but it is what it is as we move along. On a more serious note, they are reporting the veterans tomorrow, so we'll have Big Blue Kickoff Live up and running again. We'll get you set for everything, all that happened in terms of the testing that they have to go through. Are you on tomorrow? The endurance? No, I am not on tomorrow. Okay. I believe it's you and John. Me, I'm smoking. back Thursday. Okay. Yes. All right. Good. Well, You're not going through the endurance test yourself, though. No. Is no. that something you look forward to, or you did not look forward? I to I did that? it. 
Yeah. I didn't look forward to it, but I did it. <laughs> you did it, though. You yeah. got through it. The you test, survived. The test was yeah. nothing. It was getting ready for the test. It really sucked. It really did. Because you had to, you really had well, to, to run make it. sure. Yeah, yeah you of had course. To stand. The, wor- the worst yeah. conditioning test we ever did was when I was with the Eagles with Buddy Ryan, and we had what to, he make you do? We had we had to run a half a mile. Wow. Okay, you had to train for this. I'm telling you. And they had times. My time was two minutes and like 40 seconds, a half mile. So, two times around that track in two minutes and 40 seconds. Try it. Just go out and try it. Now. Well, what was? What was the time that you had to do it within? 2.40 under. Oh, 2.40 under. Yeah. Okay, so that yeah. was the mark. And, like, the uh, DBs were, like, 2 minutes and 20 seconds or whatever, and the linemen were, like, 3.50. If you, right, well, you a, linemen, so if you ever yeah. want to see a – beat the linemen, so that's the positive. If you ever want to see a grown man <laughs> – Huffing and puffing? Acting like there's a piano on your back, making that last <laughs> turnaround, you should have seen some of these guys. I can imagine. Oh, my God. It was you, di- and they were diving across the line. Just to make they would sure. be like, two, 228, 229. The guys would be just diving across. It was horrible. And, and the fact is, is that it wasn't that football players have to run a half a mile ever in a game. It was all about what I told you. He wanted guys out there training for it. Because that's that's what he wanted the guys to do. The to be motivated. Yeah, to do, to, no, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So all the other ones, there's tons of them that we can talk about, but they they're not fun. You have to train for them. But you know, guys, they they have to. If you come into training camp, if the way it used to be is if you didn't pass your your first of all, you're in the doghouse if you didn't pass your your conditioning test. Okay. Do you have to run it again the next day in the morning at six o'clock? If you didn't make it, you you run it until you make it. Yeah, they won't let you on the field. No, no, you'll you practice. Make it. You'll practice. They'll, oh, they'll let you practice. Oh, yeah. I thought you, you, most, some teams I know that no, they they get no, nervous no. about even letting the guy. No, they're they're let not the guy go that far. That, no, okay. I'm, you're going to come on the field. Oh, they going to get you on the field. Oh, okay. yeah, you're not going to get right. out of practice that way. Yeah, I'm going to make you come at six o'clock or maybe five o'clock in the morning and run it again until you make until it. You do it. There was guys. There was a guy one time. He he he, he must have done seven days in a row. He <laughs> ran that freaking test. He finally made it. The eighth time was a charm. Apparently, yeah, he got in shape. Doing yeah. seven times well, in a row. He, I'm sure the pounds that he was shedding over the oh course of a God. week. Yeah. yeah Lost so. an entire person in the process. It's horrible. So That's that is horrible. what is on the docket tomorrow, and then Thursday will be the first practice. So stay tuned for all the latest. Stay locked to Giants.com. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Yep. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance later. Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday right here on Giants.com. Have a good one.